clothes on Sunday. Start to create something called Closed on Sunday series because a lot of our churches and things like that are closed. And so we figure why not come out with our own ways to exhort and encourage the people of God, especially those of us who are in the deconstruction phase. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Closed on Sundays. My name is Robert, and we want to continue talking about the theme of endurance and giving you short sermons along that theme that hopefully you will leave inspired, encouraged, refreshed from uh, as we gather together on Sundays week by week, right? And so this morning... When thinking about uh, the theme of endurance, I could think of no other place to rest in but the book of Hebrews <laughs> and Hebrews chapter 12 specifically. So if you have your Bibles, which you should since you're at home and you're not going anywhere, turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and I love... Hebrews chapter 12. So, like, so the whole book of Hebrews uh, serves to encourage and inspire and uplift. And by the time you get to chapter 12, this, this rich text serves as part of the beautiful crescendo that is this epistle. And this crescendo comes right after the, the hall of faith, uh, as people call it in chapter 11. And when we look at Hebrews chapter 12, God gives, through the writer of Hebrews, uh, some major components of true endurance, okay? And I'm sure there are an endless amount embedded within the text, but I just want to highlight a few for our purposes this morning. Number one, I, I think he highlights that a proper vision of Jesus will inspire endurance. So let's look at verse two. So looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And that's beautiful. <laughs> uh, so when we see in that the, the vision of Jesus that's depicted here, we see that seeing Jesus rightly emboldens or strengthens uh, a believer. I love how it says, consider him who, he, who endured such hosti hostility from sinners against himself, right? And it says, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So the implication here is that seeing Jesus rightly will keep you from that discouragement and that, that weariness that would uh, beset the human soul. A practical way that I, I lean into this reality is I spend a lot of time meditating in contemplative prayer on who Jesus is and who he is revealed in scripture. And I'll take uh, some aspect of the gospels 
and Jesus's interactions with people, and I'll meditate on on it. I often meditate on uh, Jesus and the crucifixion scene, or I meditate on Jesus in the garden and how he's pouring out his soul in agony, in prayer, in in earnest, importunate prayer, and my heart I is strengthened, and I don't want to say that in a nonchalant way or or sketch out this scene that seems to think that every time I pray, all of my fears go away. No, for me, I, I, I feel like what happens in those times of prayer is I feel just a bit grounded. And I feel that uh, I have some perspective uh, on my issues, on my problems, right? So verse four talks about that you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And this sounds condescending, but when I'm thinking about the hardness of my life, it it helps give me perspective knowing that I haven't had to, sh- to live life in such a way that I've had to strive against uh, bloodshed and, and strive against sin in the same way that Jesus did on his way to the cross. Um, okay. The next component I want to look at is chastening. And that's a big component. <laughs> um, so let's look at uh, verse five. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? So this uh, punishment aspect is a bit weird. Uh, It seems to me when I read, it seems a bit out of place because the verse before and the verses before seem very encouraging. They seem very uplifting. And then suddenly you have this punishment aspect, which within our culture and many cultures has this dimension of negativity to it and has this dimension, usually uh, uh, this connotation of anger and uh, disappointment. And what we find in these verses and as the rest of Hebrews chapter 12 unfolds is that the punishment that is seen here is redemptive. And it's not merely for the sake of inspiring fear. It's not merely for the sake of in, uh, inspiring obedience uh, in children. But as the verses unfold, um, verse 11 says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And there seems to be this dimension of love, union, and relationship and the chastening that God provides. And I would prefer not to think of punishment um, ever because of my earthly family and because punishment, I I could usually 
not see that there was a redemptive purpose. Sometimes it felt vindictive and sometimes it felt that the punishment I received as a child was born out of uh, trauma and frustration. But here in Hebrews chapter 12, it seems to be, no, this is how you know that you're uh, a son or a daughter of God, that there's this chastening that is for the promotion of the health and the promotion of well-being of of the child of God, right? And so, so knowing that, understanding that can inspire endurance as well. Now, we need not get off into thinking like some denominations or streams of thought that whenever you're going through a really rough time, that there is automatically a chastening portion of it. Uh, the, these verses don't seem to exhaustively say that that is what God is doing or, um, or that there's automatically punishment involved when bad things happen to you. Don't be like Job's friends trying to figure God out in that aspect. What we can take away is that if there's a punishment uh, dimension related to the suffering that you're going through, that is for the redemption of relationship, right? Another side note, don't be the person automatically saying that this coronavirus is God's chastening. Okay. <laughs> we don't know that. Um, so the the last component I would say is um, the component of pursuing restorative peace. So let's look in verses 14 and 15. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring, springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Who, um, I also am not a fan that this <laughs> um, component is in Hebrews chapter 12 uh, because forgiveness classically, historically, it has been very hard for me. And so I loved the way Hebrews chapter 12 was flowing um, until it, it hits home with, hey, pursue peace with all people and holiness, because without these things, you will not see the Lord. <laughs> um, uh, there seems to be this dimension of broken peace leading to bitterness, which then leads to corporate defilement or sin. And that, and that, that, that defilement and that sin uh, seems to be uh, further sketched out in verse 16 when it talks about lest you be like a fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. And for me, I often think when I, when I have a broken peace or broken fellowship with someone, I try to keep it to myself. And I think that in that broken estate, broken communion, I think I'm not affecting anybody. And in fact, this is a way to keep the peace. I don't like them, that person hurt me. And by just removing myself from the situation, ghosting the person, that's my way to pursue restorative peace. Um, 
And verses like this challenge me immensely. <laughs> How can I pursue community in a way that is restorative, in a way that ins- inspires wholeness? Obviously, though, this isn't talking of in, in ways of extreme abuse, extreme uh, dysfunction. I think that God, in many passages of Scripture, gives us some wisdom of how to walk those dimensions out. But at a heart level, I want to pursue peace because I'd, a broken fellowship hinders me from having endurance. Just as having um, an improper vision of Jesus hinders my endurance. Also, uh, not understanding uh, things in my life that may lead to chastening and being ignorant of that leads to a lack of endurance, right? So those are the components that I see here in chapters 12 in chapter 12 that will give us endurance for the days of ahead. Uh, The last thing that I would say is a bonus thing that the writer of Hebrews gives to us is this heavenly vision that kind of (laughs) is chef's kiss. Um, After talking about all that, it says in verse 18, for you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that and that burned with fire into blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure what was commanded. Uh, skip through that a bit. And uh, verse 22, let's pick it back up. And it says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God the judge of all to the spirit the, to the spirits of just men made perfect to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel ah it's beautiful <laughs> like um uh that um, that heavenly vision in the way that is articulated has given me such perspective, has encouraged me many, many a night, <laughs> whether I'm in depression or grief and just imagining what it's like to coming to the city of the living God. Like I am not coming to that former Mount that was burned with fire that God spoke to his people, but instead I have the ability, the right, the privilege to come to the Mount of the Lord, to the new Jerusalem, the city of the living God with innumerable angels, uh, the spirit of just men made perfect. Um, it's in, in that city, God dwells. And that might seem to be a fairy tale. That might seem to be this flight of fancy. Uh, but for me, fixing my uh, internal eyes, the eyes of my heart, upon, upon 
this vision, whether it's through contemplative prayer, whether it's through reading these verses aloud, has encouraged me, has given me perspective. Even over the past week, I've gone continually to this chapter to encourage my weary heart. So I want to leave you guys with that, uh, that we have access through the eyes of our heart to go to that, that city of the living God, to the mount of the Lord. Amen and amen. If you appreciated this episode and you want more content from Subculture Inc., make sure you head over to our website at www.subcultureinc.org. And once again, thank you for listening.